Good morning, Lakeview Church. I just want to thank Ned and Marlene for their investment here at Lakeview and being willing to share with us this morning and for raising such a great son. I love your son. He has invested in our son, and we just appreciate that when parents raise up their kids and then their kids invest in other people, and it just continues on. And so I just want to say thank you for your ministry, and thanks for being good parents. So can we give them a round of applause? Would that be all right? I just want to welcome you to Global Engagement Sunday, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us online today, just want to say thank you for taking time out of your weekend to be here with us in this gathering. We're so grateful for this opportunity we have to be together as a church body. And, uh, you know, here at Lakeview Church, we say we're an everyday church for everyday people. And we believe that uh, God has called every single person Every single person, not just here in our church, but every single person on this planet, he has called every single one of us to follow Jesus, to learn to live generously, to take what God's given us and just willingly share that with others so that we can make a difference in this world for good and for God. That's one of the reasons we believe in global engagement. It's one of the reasons we have Global Engagement Sunday, because we know that as we collectively come together to pray and to give of our financial resources to send missionaries and to support the work of missions in other parts of the world, both domestically and internationally, What we know is that that's one of the ways we as a church collectively participate in God's mission to change the world. It's one of the ways that we as a church make a difference. And what we know is that as we as a congregation get engaged with God's global mission, what starts to happen in our own lives is that we actually become more in tune with God's desire, his heart, his passion to see this world be redeemed, to see this world transformed. And so what happens is we get engaged with God's global mission and it actually elevates our desire as God's people here in this place to become everyday missionaries in our community where God has placed us to be his messengers. And as we engage in the mission of God here in our community, guess what happens? Our heart for God's mission in the world grows, and we get engaged globally, and on and on the cycle goes. You see, this is the way the church is designed to function, right? From the very inception of the church, Jesus said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem where they lived, in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas and region, and even to the ends of the earth. God's desire for his people is to always be engaged with his mission from here, where we live, to everywhere. And that's why global engagement matters for us as a church. Now, so many of you across our congregation are already praying for our missionaries. You do that on a regular basis. You're committed to those that we have sent and to those mission works that we support around the world, and you give of your financial resources. In fact, if you've looked at the back of your bulletin this morning, maybe you didn't even know that was there, but we track the budget that we need to support our missionaries, the Global Engagement Fund, and you may have noticed as you looked at the back of your bulletin that we're staying right on track with that for this year. And that's because of your faithful giving. 
And so if you are one of those who are praying regularly, who are giving regularly, not just tithes and offerings to support the work of our church locally, but you're giving to the Global Engagement Fund, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you for giving in that way because it allows us to partner with missionaries in other places and in other parts of the world so that God's message can be shared, not just here, but everywhere. And so I just want to thank you for that. And some of you might be here this morning and and you might not be praying regularly, you might not be giving regularly. And I just hope that today, as we walk through Global Engagement Sunday, that this might be one of those days that you get stirred in your heart to be more engaged with God's global mission. And so that's been my prayer for this Sunday, that, that God would use what we do in this service just to make us care more about the things that he cares about in this world. Now, we've been walking through a brand new message series over the last couple of weeks, and this message series is called The Road to Freedom, and it really came out of kind of a a question and a realization that that even though we know everybody is called to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference, that there are actually things in this world and in our lives that seek to hold us back from that life, right? We set our eyes on Jesus. We, we try to live the life that God's called us to live. We're trying to be faithful to what God wants us to do, but we know that there are things in our lives that, that kind of hold us back, things that weigh us down, sometimes even things that trip us up and keep us from running the race. It's like the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, he says that that we have a great cloud of witnesses to this life of faith. In other words, there are people from generations before us that are looking down on us, watching us run this race. And because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, people who are looking in, we ought to run the race that God has marked out for us. And the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, he tells us that in order to do that, we have to throw off every weight and the sin that so easily trips us up so that we can run with endurance the race that God has marked out for us. And he says, we do this, how? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the champion of our faith, the one who initiates and perfects our faith journey. You see, the reality is is that we have a race to run, and there are things that weigh us down. There are things that trip us up. And so this series, we've just been asking the question, what if we could get rid of all of the extra weight? Not not the extra weight. This is not a weight loss series, although maybe we need one of those. Maybe I need one of those. Not that kind of weight. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about the struggles, the temptations, the challenges of this world that hold us back. How do we get rid of those things so that with freedom and liberty and strength, we can run the race that God has marked out for us to run? How can we become everything that God wants us to be? And so for this series, we're studying the book of Romans. And we're just looking at several different passages in the book of Romans, and we're asking ourselves the question, what does this letter written to Christians in first century Rome have to say to us today about living this life and running this race in freedom? And so we've spent a couple of weeks in this series, and this morning I want to talk to you in a message called The Sending God. And it really is a message that comes right out of the verses that were read for us just a moment ago by Ned and Marlene from Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 10. 
And there are really three big ideas that I want to just try to share with you briefly this morning that I think are important for us to get a hold of as we think about God as the sending God. And the first big idea is this, God sent Christ to die for us. God sent Christ to die for us. When we look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, what we discover is that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came. And he gave his life for us. He he made it possible for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed. And I love this verse because it speaks to the initiative of God. When, When we found ourselves in a place where we couldn't do anything to fix the problem of our life, God acted. And it's something we've been talking about in these first couple of weeks of this series. We've said that as human beings, we are sinful and we define sin the way the scriptures define them. We said that to be sinful means to live our lives off of the mark, that God had a purpose, a plan, an intention for our lives. He aimed our lives at a particular target and we as sinful human beings have lived off of the mark. And as a result of that, we find ourselves in a situation where God is not pleased. He's not happy because he wanted us to go this way, but we've gone this way instead. We are off track from the life that God has for us to live. And as a result, we said that God is angry at us. And this is not something that we like to talk about. It's not something I like to talk about. It's not something I like to think about. But the reality is when God says, I want you to go this way, and we go this way instead, God is angry because he, his desire and his plan is for us to go this way. And he knows that going this way is the best thing for us. And we're ignoring that reality and we're going in a different direction. And God is angry as a result of that. Just this week, I was leading my small group, which meets on the camps of Indiana Wesleyan, and we were just a few of us gathered around the scriptures, and we've been looking at the book of Ephesians in our small group, and we were actually reading some verses, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 10, and we got to verse 3, and we, we, we saw something in verse 3 that really kind of stuck out to us. In verse 3, what we're told of Ephesians chapter 2 is that God looks down at our lives and and he sees us as people who were living in darkness. We were following our own desires and passions of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subjects of God's anger. How's that for an encouraging word on Sunday morning? We were subjects of God's anger. Again, this makes sense if we really think about it. Because God, who is perfect, who knows everything, who understands everything about our lives, says this is the very best for your life. And then we move from that path and we go a completely different direction. And God, in his holiness and in his justice, is angry about that. But what's really amazing about God is that when God gets angry, he doesn't act like an angry God might act, at least not the way we think an angry God might act. When I think about God getting angry, I think about a God who's going to pour out wrath and vengeance. I mean, he is going to get us. He said, that's not what God does. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 tells us that we were subjects of God's anger. But then when you just read the very next verse, we don't find an angry God acting in wrath and vengeance. No, this God acts in love and mercy. See, God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much that Christ made us alive even when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. This is the God that we're talking about today. A God who has a purpose, a plan, an intention for our lives. He says, I want you to live this way, and yet we live off target, off track with the plan that God has for us. And he gets angry at us, but in his anger, he acts not out of vengeance and wrath. He acts out of love and mercy. And what does this love and mercy result in? It results in the sending of his son. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. Because God loved us, he sent his son to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, while we were off track, while we were making God angry, God loved us so much that even when we weren't doing what he wanted us to do, he acted. He sent his son. Why is that? Because love leads to sending when we think about God's heart. You see, God himself is a missionary. God looks down at his creation and he sees a creation that's gone astray, that's gone down the wrong path and he's not happy about it, he's not pleased about it, he's not excited about it and God doesn't just say, done with them. I'm just gonna write them off and I'll just go over here and find some people that I can hang out with and just forget about the rest. No, God sees us off track, and even while we're off track, God says to his son, I need you to go. I need you to be a missionary. I need you to leave the comforts of heaven, and I need you to go to earth, and I need you to step into a different context than the one that you are comfortable with. And while you are there, I need you to identify with them, with my creation. In fact, I need you to become one of them. And I need you to, I need you to die for them. I need you to give your life to rescue them. And that's what Jesus does. This is amazing. I mean, I don't know if you recognize how amazing this is, but this is God loving us so much that even while we were going the wrong way, he sent his only begotten son to die for us so that we could be saved and we could be redeemed. This is amazing. God is a missionary God. He is a sending God. He sent his only begotten son. Why? Because he loves us. There's a second truth that I think is really important for us to understand from these verses that were read today. Not just that God sent Christ to die for us, but that God saves those who believe. 
God saves those who believe. And in fact, when we look at these verses of Scripture, as we think about this Romans chapter 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith... Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. God saves those who believe. We talked about this a lot last week. We said that we have a problem as a sinful humanity, right? We are separated from God because of our sin. We've gone down the wrong path, and God is angry at us. And to make matters worse, there is absolutely nothing that we can do to pick our lives up off of this wrong path and put us back on the right path. Doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how religious you are, doesn't matter how many times you come to church or whether you pay your taxes. I mean, you should pay your taxes, but but that's not gonna be enough to get you into heaven. It's not gonna be enough to make you right with God. You are not capable of taking your life off of the wrong path and putting it back on the right path. But the good news, the good news of God is that what we could not do for ourselves, God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God looked at us and said, you can't fix this problem, but I'll fix it for you. And so Jesus comes, he lives, he suffers, he bleeds, he dies, he's buried, and he's raised again to new life. And by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, God takes our life from the wrong path, and he puts it back on the right path. He actually makes us right with God again. God rescues us. He rescues us from the wrong path and puts us back on the path that God has for us. This is the good news. Which brings me to a question. If this is the good news and the good news is true, and anybody who believes, anybody who puts their faith in Jesus can be saved, can be made right, then how in the world do we take this message and get it to the whole world? Because As I read the Bible, this is the single most important thing that humanity needs to understand. This is the single most important thing that human beings must come to grips with, that we are sinful human beings. That's who we are at our very core. We can't help it. Nobody has to take a class in how to be sinful. We just know. And our sin separates us from God. And God in Christ has acted to provide a way for us to be rescued and saved. For our sins to be forgiven. For our lives to be changed. And this makes all the difference in the world. So if this is the good news and it's true, then the question becomes, what do we need to do as God's people to take this life-changing message and make sure it gets to every nook and cranny of this world. Because we can do a lot of great things with our life, but if we are followers of Jesus Christ and we don't take time to really do whatever is in our power to do to make sure that happens, I'm not sure we really get it. We 
We might be on our way to heaven, but we will have missed an opportunity to be who God wants us to be in this world because God did not call us just to be saved. God called us to be saved so that we could be sent, which brings me to the third big idea that I want to talk to you about this morning. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ for these next few minutes, I just want you to to pay attention not to me. I just think God has something he wants to say to you today. And I've just been praying all week that God would say that through me so that you would get it. And so just for these next few minutes, if you are a follower of Jesus, can you just call your spirit to attention and listen for the voice of God in these next few moments? Because I think there is an aspect of God's character that we must understand as his church. God is at his very nature a missionary God. He is a sending God. And for those of us in this room who are already followers of Jesus, we've put our faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We've been saved, we've been changed, but now we must understand that those of us who have been saved, part of our very nature, part of our calling is to live sent. Because that is exactly how the message goes from here to everywhere. When God's people live as messengers of God's good news, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the message of good news. When we look at Romans chapter 10, there are some verses that I just want to walk us through when we start in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we, we hear the gospel reiterated, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is the gospel, right? We have a problem Our sin, we have a solution, Jesus Christ. How do we move from our problem to solution? By faith in Jesus Christ. And this good news, it's not just for individuals, it's for everyone. Verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for the people that God likes because God loves us all. He's actually made it possible for everyone to be saved. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. How does that happen? How will people call on the name of the Lord? Well, look at the next two verses, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So get the picture. You have to believe so that you can call on him. Now, how can you, how can they believe in him if they've never heard? In order to believe, you have to hear, and you have to believe so that you can call on him, and you can't be saved unless you call on him. Paul's building kind of a train of thought here, and he's doing it in reverse order, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call unless they believe, and how can they believe unless they have Heard And how can they hear unless someone tells them? This is why, while I love the thought that is shared often, right? Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I love that idea. 
Except I just want to remind you and let you know it's always necessary to use words. You cannot lead someone to the Lord by your life. You might, make, you might make the faith attractive to them. They might look at your life and say, that's a good person, and they really love the Lord. But until you open your mouth and proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they can't hear. And until they hear, they cannot believe. And until they believe, they cannot call on him. And they cannot be saved, which is exactly why the evangelical church, especially in North America right now, is failing Make no mistake about it. We are not winning in our day. We are losing ground. And why? Because we have decided that we're going to try to win the lost just by living good lives. It's not enough. You have to share your faith. You have to open your mouth and proclaim that Jesus died for our sins. And you must put your faith in Jesus in order to be saved. And some of us are scared to share our faith. And I'm praying for God to wake you from your slumber. Because there is a world that is dying. And they will spend a Christless eternity. And we are God's people in this community. And we have been sent by God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you might not like the way I'm preaching right now. But I don't care. Because we need to hear this today. Because here's why. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been sent. You have been sent. And this shouldn't surprise you because Jesus doesn't try to hide it. Come follow me and what? I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus says this right from the very beginning. Come follow me and I will send you out. We should not be surprised that we are sent. This is who we are. And it it makes, I mean, just think about it. If Jesus was sent by the Father and we are followers of Jesus, doesn't it just make sense that we would be sent? Because we're supposed to be like him. So I've got just a few minutes left. I want to just make this practical because I think there are times when we hear preaching and it's like, wow, that's great. I think we should do that, but then we don't know how. So can I just give you as practically as I can a few next steps that you might consider taking to live sent? Number one, I think everybody in our church who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to take spiritual responsibility for your network of relationships. Every single one of us, every single one of us, we have family, friends, neighbors, classmates, coworkers, people that God has put us right in the middle of. And there are people in those networks who do not know Jesus. And if you look at your network and everybody in your network knows Jesus, find a new network. You can't be a missionary if you never go to the people who haven't heard. So if you look at your life and you just find that everybody in your network is a follower of Jesus, I'm serious. Find a new network. We are not called to come out from the world and just hang out with each other. We are called to be right in the world. 
So you might need to pick up a new hobby or find a new group to be a part of. But what I want you to do is in that network, take responsibility. You say, what does that mean? I'm going to give you very specific practical steps. I want you to find a place where you can write down the names of people in your network who do not know Jesus. Just write their names down. Secondly, pray for those people every single day. You say, how would I pray for them? I'll make this real practical. You ought to pray this way. God, draw these people to yourself. No one comes to the Father unless they're drawn by him. Pray that God would open their ears and their hearts to hear the message of the gospel. Pray that God would give you, as a person in their network, opportunities to, to, to interact with them around ideas related to the gospel. So write their names down. Pray on a regular basis for them. Third, I want you to actually invest in their lives. In other words, be a good friend. If they've got a need, why don't you meet it? If they need help, roll up your sleeves and help them. Just invest in their life. Be a good friend. And then look for opportunities when the Spirit's prompting you to share your testimony of how Jesus changed your life and look for opportunities as to how you can share God's good news with them. Don't just bring them to church. I want you to bring them to church. We're going to do our best to share the gospel here and invite people to respond, but you should share the gospel. Some of you will find this hard to believe, but your friends are more likely to respond to the gospel when you share it with them than they are when they hear it in a church service. Because they know you, and you have credibility. You need to take responsibility for your network. Second action step that you could possibly take is I want to encourage you to give to our global engagement fund. You say, how in the world does this connect with this whole idea? Well, here's the reality. When you know that everybody in the world needs to hear this message, then collectively we should come together as a church and we should do whatever it takes to take this message and get it everywhere we possibly can. This is why we support missionaries. This is why we send missionaries out. This is why we fund the work that they're doing, both domestically and internationally. Why? Because we want everybody in this world to have repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel. Now, let me explain to you how the Global Engagement Fund works. Uh, there's a card that you can pick up at the table right back here, and it just has an opportunity for you to just make some commitments. The Global Engagement Fund is above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings. So you give to the offering here, the, your tithe, your offering, and that goes to support the work we do locally, the things we're doing here in our Jerusalem, the place where we live. But the Global Engagement Fund is, is above and beyond that, and that money goes directly to support missionaries. There's no administrative fees that are taken off the top. We just simply take every dollar that you give to the Global Engagement Fund and we send it out. You say, how would I give beyond my tithes and offerings? Well, some of you like to have a $5 cup of coffee every once in a while in your life. And if you just gave up one of those, I hear an amen from a Starbucks person. I know that voice. I'm tuning in. I know that voice. Some of you like to have those $5 cups of coffee, and I, I, I like them too. I'm not telling you to just stop drinking $5 cups of coffee. I'm just saying, could you just give up one of those every week? 
And could you take that coffee that you would normally enjoy and turn that into mission money? If you gave $5 every single week, if everybody in our church just gave $5 every single week, you'd give $260 in a year to missions. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot, right? 260 bucks, what difference does that make? Well, if everybody in our church does that, that's $65,000. You see, that's the beauty of the church. When every single person in the church just does their little part, the part that you can do, collectively, we do something really big together. It's the beauty of the church. Now, if you could give up two cups a week, well, that becomes $130,000 a year. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Schindler's List, but there is a powerful scene at the end. It, it breaks my heart every single time I see it, where Oscar Schindler is getting ready to be carted off, right? I mean, he's done so much to save so many lives, and yet he's going to pay for his crimes. And in that final scene, he looks at his pen and he says, I could have saved he looks at his ring and he says, two more lives. It's worth it, every dollar that we could give to support the work of missions so that more people could hear the gospel and their lives could be changed. There's no better investment of our dollars. Give to the Global Engagement Fund. Third, pray for our missionaries. I mean, I know we say, and it kind of sounds cliche, that, you know, well, there's not a lot we can do right now, but we can pray. I just want you to know, prayer is not preparation for the battle. It's not a substitution for the battle. Prayer is the battle. We will not see a move of God in our day and in this earth without God's people being people of prayer. Let this place be a house of prayer for all nations Please remember our missionaries in prayer. And we're going to give you on your way out this morning a bookmark that you can stick in your Bible. You can hang this on a mirror. You can put this in a place where you do your devotions every day. But just lift up our missionaries in prayer. And this morning, right after church, and before you just rush to the restaurant or wherever you're going to eat today, just take a walk down on this end of our building. We've got video postcards set up from our missionaries. You can actually see our missionaries. You can hear their voices as they talk about where they're at and what they're doing and how you can pray for them. And at every station, we've got a specific prayer card that you can pick up for that missionary so that after seeing their face and hearing their voice, you can remember to pray for them. Pray for our missionaries. And then fourth, I want to encourage you to go on a missions trip so that you can see God's global mission firsthand. See, one of the things that we believe is that we want to take everyday missionaries from Lakeview Church and we want to send them out to the mission fields that we support. We want you to go see it firsthand. Because we believe that when you go there, you're going to get to participate in what God's doing in that place. You're going to get to support the missionary right there in real time. And while you're there, God's going to stir in your heart, and he's going to make you see the mission more clearly, more plainly. And you're going to come back here, and you're going to be fired up, and you're going to tell us about it, and we're going to get fired up. And together, we're going to grow in our engagement with the global mission of God. And some of you are going to go on those trips, and God is going to speak to your heart, and he's going to tell you that while, while you could stay here, he actually wants you to go there. 
I believe that God in these upcoming years is going to raise up new missionaries from our congregation, people that he will send from here to everywhere. And we believe mission trips are a part of that. Now, we would love to do mission trips all the time. But, you know, there's a little thing called COVID, and that's kind of put a little damper on things. That said, we believe that in 2022, we're going to have an opportunity to do a couple of mission trips, and we're planning and praying to that end. We believe that we're going to try to take a trip domestically, so somewhere in the United States where we can go and serve and learn something about reaching a community for Christ that we believe will come back and help our church be more effective in reaching our community here. And then we believe there's an international trip that God wants to take a group of our people somewhere else so they can see the mission of God firsthand. I wish I had more details to share with you, but I have just shared with you every single detail that we have. So here's what I want you to do. If God is stirring in your heart right now, I want you to sign up. Say, sign up for what? I don't know. I don't know. Just sign up. If God's stirring in your heart, don't you think he knows what he's doing? Just trust him. Sign up. Say, how would I sign up? I'm so glad you asked. You can text the word sent to our text number, 765-222-5937. Just text the word sent. Or for those of you who are like, really? Another text thing? If that's you, we actually went old school this morning. We have a piece of paper sitting on that table back there, and you can walk right back there and sign your name, okay? I don't really care how you sign up. If God's stirring in your heart, don't leave this place without letting us know that you're interested, and as soon as we have more information, you will be one of the first to know so that you can be invited to take those trips with us. Now, We've got to close this service. We're out of time. I just want to remind you, human beings, we are sinful people. God had a purpose, plan, intention for our lives, and we've gone off that track. There's nothing that we can do to get ourselves back on track, and God, in his anger at our sin, doesn't act out of vengeance and wrath. He acts out of love and mercy, sends his son provides a way for us to be rescued and put back on the right track. And as we come back on the right track, God uses our lives, not just as people who have been saved, but people who have been sent to make a difference for him. And so I want to pray for you uh, as we close this time, and then Pastor Jessica's going to come and wrap up our service. But I want to pray for you that God will work in your hearts to help you take the next steps he's calling you to. So let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your mercy and your love. You have every right to be angry at us, and yet you love us. You've made a way for us to be saved and redeemed. And you have sent us to share your good news with this world. God, help us to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference so that every single person on this planet has repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for what you do, God, in and through us, we will give you the thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.